Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. themselves with the Samaritans, and so going into Samaria is not something that anybody traveling with Jesus would have wanted to do, okay? And so that's how chapter 4 opens, and so they're journeying through Samaria, and Jesus and, the, and, uh, and his crew get tired, and so Jesus sends the, his disciples into the city to go get some food, and he decides to settle by a well, and there's a woman who comes up to him, and Jesus discovers the whole reason he was going through Samaria in the first place was this woman, as he begins to talk to her, he says, give me a drink of water, and she draws him a drink of water, and then he begins to speak of himself, and she places her faith in him through the conversation. And that's where we're going to pick up on this verse, because the disciples who had gone to get food come back, and in verse 31, it says, Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Now, I don't know if I were you, but if I were them, and he sent me to get food, I'd have been like, well, dude, why were you holding out? Like, you just sent us to get, you know, to go through the drive-thru at McDonald's, and you had food this whole time? Like, we're hungry, too. What are you talking about? He says, I have food that you know nothing about. Then his disciples say to him, uh, said to each other, could someone have brought him food? They're confused. Did somebody get him a filet of fish Like, what happened here? Like, right? Because I don't think he would have eaten a hamburger or some sausage. I just don't think a good Jew would do that. And uh, maybe the hamburger, but... Anyway, so he's got a filet of fish, and they're like, did somebody bring him food? This is totally my interpretation, by the way. It's not, it's not like written that way in the Bible. It's like, you're not going to read it no matter what translation you find. But Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. What's Jesus talking about? We understand what food is for. We need food to survive. We need to eat. Otherwise, we go hungry. If I go hungry for too long, I become something called hangry. It's where I'm like angry and hungry at the same time. Anybody ever heard of this before? There are popular Snickers commercials where this, this guy is like, he's supposed to be a lumberjack and he's working in a lumber yard and it totally looks like a diva, you know, like a pop singer. I can't even remember who it was, but totally looks like this pop singer and he's just shredding his friends and shredding the people around him. He's just upset or she's just upset and they're like, dude, here, have a Snickers eats the Snickers, becomes himself, looks more like a lumberjack, right? Does anybody, that ever happen to anybody else? Like, you know, you're totally, totally just starving, and you put on a dress and makeup and look like a pop star. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, you get, you get hangry. You get, you get angry, right? We need nourishment. And when we eat, what happens to us is that it changes our demeanor. It changes our attitude. It changes uh, our, our energy level. Uh, we gather around food, and we celebrate. Those are all byproducts of it, but we actually need food. And so this is our nourishment, right? This is, this is what strengthen us, strengthens us from within. And the disciples have gone to get food because everybody's tired. Jesus is tired. But they come back and they find Jesus who was sitting underneath, sitting, sitting in the shade, chilling out, too tired to even go with his disciples to get food in the first place. And they come back and they find him lit up like a Christmas tree. So of course, what do they ask? Hey, did somebody give this guy food? Like, did he eat? Has he eaten somehow that we didn't know about? Was there something around here? Like, you know, did he get into the berries again? Like, I mean, I don't know. But they're all concerned, like, he, what, what food did he have? What nourishment did he have to be this excited? And Jesus responds that I have nourishment, I have, I have food that you know nothing about. What was his nourishment? What was his food? 
What sustained him, what energized him, what brought his energy level up was doing the will of God, was doing and finishing the work that God had for him here on this earth. That's what he did. And Jesus is here. He's excited by what he was able to contribute into somebody's life. He's excited by what he was able to give somebody. He was lit up. He was energized by it. Didn't even need to eat. Anybody ever experienced this before? You're, you're doing something that just energizes you and you completely forget to eat, right? I, I've been there many times. I know it doesn't look like it, but I have been there many times. But his disciples are like, hey, we need to, we need to eat. And there's, there's this contrast. The disciples were concerned about consumption and Jesus was more concerned about his contributing. And I think that as Christ followers, because we are to follow Jesus and everything that he did, that we ought to be re-energized by contributing to and serving others. So we have this, this, this consuming, this contributing, this, this two different ends of things. And it's in our nature really to be concerned about what we consume, isn't it? It's in our nature to you say, well, Aaron, I'm a, I'm a good person. I like to contribute. Yeah, but, but I would say that you're really not. I would say that you're actually a sinful person. We're all very, very sinful. We're all very selfish people, really. And, and yes, we may do good things, but I think our nature is that we're sinful. I mean, because let, let, me, let me prove it to you. Have you ever had to have this conversation with a two-year-old? If you ever have, let me know. I'll talk to you after service. Here's the conversation you have with a two-year-old. I'm going to give you this toy, and then I'm going to take it away from you, Okay. And when I take it away from you, I want you to kick and scream, throw yourself on the floor and wallow on the ground like you're a pig in mud. And when you do that, I want you to scream over and over again, mine, mine, mine. That's how I want you to behave when I take your toy away from you. Has anybody ever had to teach a two-year-old how to do that? No. Why? Because they're born that way. They're born selfish. We are sinful people in our hearts. That's, that's just the truth. And it's the difference What's happening here? Jesus is going against his very fleshly nature. He is more concerned about what he's contributing. He had a desire to respond to a higher calling on his life, and that was to do the will of God and to finish God's work here in this earth. That's what Jesus is doing. And so I, I can't really say that, that we're all at fault because if we're born this way, how can we be at fault? And, and really, I would say not only are we just born this way, but our culture kind of makes us think about consumerism, being con consumers instead of contributors, right? I mean, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but back in the day, back in the 70s and, and uh, up until the 70s, actually, in McDonald's, when you went to McDonald's and you ordered a Big Mac, every single time you got the same thing. And some of you know it because there was a song after it. You got two all beef, all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. See, you all know it. They had this trusted, consistent customer experience. You go to McDonald's, you order a Big Mac, you get that every single time. No failure. And customers would go, and they knew that they would get that. What if I don't want it with pickles? Too bad. That's how we make the burger. That's what you get. But something happened in 1973, six years before I was born. And the effects of it are still felt across this generation today. Burger King showed up on the scene. And they had a slogan. What's Burger King's slogan? Hey, there it is. Have it your way. And they changed the industry completely because they said, no pickles, no lettuce, special orders, don't upset us. That's what you can do. Have it your way. You want that burger with 10 pickles? Great. You want it with no yucky mayonnaise on it because I don't know who would want that? Great. We'll do that. <laughs> Burger King changed it all. And they put the customer in control of their experience. 
They said the customer is always right. They should get what they want. They're paying for it, right? And so they put them in control, and 40 years later, here we are still in this, this culture of the customer is king. We get everything the way we want to. Outback, no rules, just right. Great. Love that. I love that I can order that. Businesses will even market us this way. Their, their current marketing sounds just like this, and you'll excuse me while I read this just a moment. They will promote their quality, value, style, service, selection, convenience, savings, performance, experience, low rates, friendly service, name brands, easy terms, affordable prices, money-back guarantee. They'll give you free installation, free admission, free appraisal, free alterations, free delivery, free estimates, free home trial, and free parking. No cash, no problem, no fuss, no must, no risk, no obligation, no red tape, no down payment, no entry fee, no hidden charges, no purchase necessary, no one will call on you, no payments or interest till September, and don't forget to pick up your free gift, which of course is a classic, deluxe, custom designer, luxury, prestige, high quality, premium, one of a kind pencil holder, yours for the asking, no purchase necessary, our way of saying thank you. <laughs> you guys remember the micro machine guy from the 80s? Totally needed to hire him for today. That would have been incredible. If you don't remember the Micro Machine guy, you did not have an awesome upbringing. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> we've become a consumer. We have a consumer mindset. We're, we're in control. And the culture has done this to us. It's created this, this idea that, that we need to get our needs met. We want to have it our way. And the problem with that is, it's okay in the, in the market, but the problem with that is that attitude has become to affect different ways or different things in our lives. It affects our relationships. It's even bled over to how people look for churches. I don't have a problem if you're church shopping. If you're here today and you're church shopping, welcome. Thank you. You can end your shopping experience right here. Just hang out with us. We love you. But people tell me, well, we're shopping for churches. And I don't mind you saying that, but this is the one that gets me. We're looking for a church that fits our needs. Oh. They're, they're coming to take. They're coming to get something from you. They're, they're looking to consume something instead of coming to a church to contribute. Here's what I have to offer. This is, this is what I have to give. This is what I bring to the table. Is this, is, this, is this church willing to use my gifts and my abilities and my talents? I'm here. God has blessed me with all this. It's a different perspective. I'm okay if you're church shopping. If you're looking for that kind of church, welcome to Simple Church, by the way. We will take you. Last week, we talked about being big thinking, risk-taking, bet the farm believers. And this week, this is where I want to land. This is the phrase that I want you to know. This is, this is the pillar, one of the pillars that we believe. We are not a church, or we are not spiritual consumers. We are spiritual contributors. The church does not exist for us. We are the church, and we exist for the world. Man, that's a game-changing statement, isn't it? It's a game-changing statement. This is part of the reason why we have partners here, not members. See, members have rights. They, 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 you get to tour the building. When I have a membership pass, you need to do this because I'm a member. Whereas partners say, hey, I'm, I'm going to join the work. I'm going to join the serving. I'm going to join the labor. That's what's the difference. But our food is something else. Our food is to be contributors. What gets us excited, what energizes us is giving back, is using our gifts and our talents to be a part of it. In fact, I want to do this. I want to say this together, all right? Everybody, eyes up on the screen. Here we go. We're going to say it together. We are not spiritual consumers. We are spiritual contributors. The church does not exist for us. We are the church, and we exist for the world. I thank you for that person out there that said, we are. I heard you out there. I heard it. We are the church. That's right. Our food is something else. It's different. 
We understand our church doesn't exist for us. We exist for the world to bring the light and love of Jesus to it. That's why we exist as a church. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make you feel really, really great about yourself, just like I did last week. We're going to give you an opportunity to rate yourself and at least be honest with where you're at in your world, okay? We're going to give you a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the lowest, 10 being the highest. Now, nobody here gets to be a 1 because 1 is the devil and 10 is Jesus. If you come away from this and you've ranked yourself as a 10, you just need, a, you need, to, be, you need to be brought down a little bit. Turn to somebody next to you and say, am I Jesus? Now, you may have long hair. You may be wearing a robe and a sash and even sandals in this crazy weather, but you are not Jesus, so you don't get to be a 10, okay? So that means you're going to fall somewhere on this scale, between a two and a nine, all right? That's where you're going to hang out. And I'm also not asking you to say it out loud. I'm not asking you to write it down. I don't need any Judgy McJudgersons out there. That's not why we're doing this. I'm giving this to you as a tool so that you can understand and be honest where you are, okay? All right. So on a scale of one to ten, here's, here's where I would say that you would fall. If you are somebody who has come to church and you drop your kids off at the children's ministry and somebody is serving you, and you go over to the cafe and you get your coffee and you get your donut... And, which you didn't pay for, by the way. And you come in and you sit in the seats, which you also didn't pay for. And you enjoy the worship and you enjoy the teaching and the offering buckets come around and, and you never, you're never, you're somebody, I don't give, I'm not, I'm not gonna do that or I'm not gonna be a part, I don't serve anywhere, I'm not, I'm not going to participate in that way. But you always enjoy all that the church offers but you never ever give back. You need to rank yourself as a number two. You're a number two. Now, there's, there are other people you'd say, well, I've taken starting points, so I know how to get involved, and I've gone to a couple of the outreach things before, and I'll give when the Spirit leads me. You know, that I, I would say you're somewhere around a three or a four. Others of you would say that, that you know what, there's people that we have here that are serving every single service that we have. They're here every time the door is open. They serve, they've partnered, they give faithfully, they are in our grow groups, they, they are a part of everything that we're doing. They're active in the community. They wear their Simple Church shirts everywhere. They even got the Simple Church bumper sticker on their car. That's not necessarily what makes them up that high. That just makes them awesome, I'm just saying. But if you were to rank yourself, if you're, if you're somebody that is actively engaged and leading others to Christ and bringing them to the church and, and engaging them in the church, then you would rank yourself somewhere around a seven or an eight, okay? So here's what I need you to do. Being honest with yourself, you don't need to tell anybody. Nobody needs to nudge anybody. Rank yourself, do it now, be honest. Now, with that number, just hanging out, if you were to be honest with yourself, if, if you're, you're, you're being real, hey, this is where I'm at, if you find yourself at a six or below, my desire and my hope today is that this message will stir you to something greater, that it will stir you to begin to believe that you have gifts and you have talents, you have something inside of you, you have something to offer that God desires to use in this church and outside of it. You do. Today, you need to begin to believe that. You can tap into it. That's what I hope. I, I hope today that you will be stirred up. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to talk to you about how we can serve. Give you two points, quick points. God calls you to serve, first of all, in his church. God calls you to serve in his church. If you are a Christ follower, I believe that you are not only called but that you are gifted, given a special gift to serve in his church. Now, the, the, the problem with me saying a statement like that is not every single one of us understands what church means. You, I say church and you all hear a different thing. So let me clarify what church is and what church is not. The reason we have this discrepancy is because years and years ago, and when, when the church first began, the church was not a building. 
The church wasn't a place that they met. The church was the people. God never intended the church to be a building. It wasn't until 313 AD that, that Constantine, the emperor of Rome, made Christianity a legal religion because at that time they were illegally meeting together. They were meeting in their homes. They were hiding in the catacombs. And when Constantine made it legal, they began to meet in public spaces. At that point in time, they were finally able to purchase meeting spaces. They set up temples because the Jewish people, of course, where Christianity sprung out of, they knew about temples. They had places of worship. And so now, now they're building places of worship. They're owning things. And so fast forward 2,000 years almost to current day, and now we understand that we are going to be the church. That means we go to church. We show up on Sunday morning. We drink our coffee. Kids go to kids' ministry. We spend our time here, and pastor prays and dismisses, and we go home. Check. Done. I've been to church. But what you've done is you've been to church. That doesn't make you the church, right? See, God intended us to be the church, to be his hand and feet, to be his power here in the earth. So in our context, we get it. We get what it means to go to church, but, but we really need to know that the church exists and is here to help us be equipped so that we can go, to equip us for life when we leave this place, because we weren't meant to go. We were meant to be. In Romans, Paul gives us a little talk about the different gifts that, that he believes are, are existent. In fact, he only lists seven of them. I believe there to be more, but he speaks about seven different kinds of giftings. These are categories of people. Because there are many, many different ways. There are many different talents and skills. But these are just specific gifts that he believes God has put inside of all of us. You fall somewhere in these seven categories. And he describes them this way in Romans 12, 6. He says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Not that you can do a thing. So what is it that you do well? What is it that you're naturally inclined toward? This is your gifting. This is where you would excel and when you're given the opportunity to excel in that gifting, you, you will. Continues on, it says, so if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If you, your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Let me break it down, wiki wiki, for you, okay? I'm going to give you a pie analogy here. And it's a pumpkin pie with Cool Whip on top, just so you know. None of that Ready Whip mess. Cool Whip. With the H at the front of the W. Whip. This is the most delicious pumpkin pie. You got anybody out there enjoy pumpkin pie? All right, a few of you. This is the most delicious pumpkin pie you have. Some of you are remembering. You're sitting there just having a moment with Jesus, like, oh, I remember the pie. I remember the pie that starts around Thanksgiving and continues through Christmas. And as, you sit and, and as you sit and remember your pie, some of you began to rub the pie that is now you're wearing. <laughs> but imagine a piece of pie, the most delicious piece of pumpkin pie you've ever had on a plate. Cool whip on top, and you are eating at the table. And the, ed the plate is dangerously close to the edge, and for whatever reason you don't realize, and you dig your fork in. And when you dig your fork in, that plate tips, capsizes the, tie, the entire piece of pie and the Cool Whip all over your lap. Soft weeping is heard. 
The pie is now all over you. Let's assume that you're in the room when this happens to someone. The way you respond will reveal your gifting. If you see a pie fall on someone's lap, and you jump up and you immediately go, let me, let me get that for you. Don't move. Let me get that. Let me get a napkin. Let me get a towel. Let me get you a new pair of trousers, a new, a new shirt. Does anybody call them trousers anymore? <laughs> let me get you some. Let me, let me get you cleaned up. Just hang tight. You have a gift of serving. That's your gift. If that's how you would respond to that scenario, you, you have the gift of service. If you would say, hey, look, just, just chill out. I know you get that cleaned up. Let me go get you another piece of pie. Let me, go, let me, let me, just, let me just take care of that for you. It's likely that you are a giver. How many of you would say, first of all, that, that I have the gift of serving? That I'm probably the person that would respond with the serving. How many of you would say, I'm, I'm, I have the gift of giving? You'd say. There's probably more of you out there. The thing with people that, that desire to give is they don't want to be known. Most of them are very humble about it and quiet. They don't want to know that they have that gift of giving. Others of you, you would see this happen and you would jump up and say, all right, hey, you, go get the napkins. You go get him the shirt. I'm going to take care of this. We'll have this done in no time flight. You just chill out, okay? That's a leader. That's the gift of leadership. You mobilize and administrate people. That is a gift that God has given you, gift of leadership. Others of you, you would look at that situation and go, dude, I know what that's like. I've been there. In fact, I had pie on my lap last week. If it makes you feel better. Here's pie on my lap now. You're an encourager. You're an encourager, right? You're having so much fun, it doesn't even matter, right? Or maybe you're somebody that just sits down next to him, puts your arm around him and goes, man, this sucks. I mean, I have pie all over your lap, and I know how much you really wanted to eat that pie. I feel for you. I'm really sorry. You've got the gift of kindness, right? Some of you couldn't do that if you wanted to. <laughs> Others of you, well, you would respond to the pie falling with, all right, look, here's what I've got. I've got a pie chart. See what I did there? I've got a pie chart on how you can do this a little better next time, okay? This is, this is, this is, how, <laughs> this is how we avoid the pie falling off. This is what we do if the pie does fall off, and this is the proper technique. I think there's a better way to eat the pie. If you would respond this way, and my wife says, this is totally me, yep, just lectures us all, you're a teacher, right? You have a gift of teaching. There's a better way. You see a better way. If you would respond to the pie falling on someone's lap with this, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. How stupid are you? Can you believe that? This guy's eating pie, got the thing hanging halfway off the side of the table, and he's digging in. That is absolutely stupid. How, how could you even think that that was going to work? You have the gift of prophecy. Some of you are like, didn't know sarcasm was a spiritual gift. Boom, life changed. Life changed. Didn't realize it. Gift of prophecy is, is the ability to call it like it is. It's black and white. This is what's actually going on here. The, the gift to speak into somebody's life and, and just separate out all the details. And that's what that is. It's a gift of prophecy. We all have different gifts. And my prayer for you today, my prayer for you all week has been that you would discover what it is your gift is. Because when you know what your gift is, you can tap into it. You can say, let me, let me serve this way. This is my gifting. If you're unaware of what your spiritual gift is, there's a simple way to get it. You can go to uh, spiritualgiftstest.com. They ask you some questions about how you respond, this kind of stuff. Although I just gave you the apple or the uh, pumpkin pie test, so you kind of have an idea. That's oversimplified, but they have a, a more extensive questionnaire for you, and they can reveal your spiritual gifts.
spiritualgiftstest.com. You say, Aaron, you're giving me something to do. I gotta start doing this. Haven't you been doing it the entire time you've been sitting in here anyway? Just go to spiritualgiftstest.com. I love you, I mean it. It's a gift of prophecy in me. Boom. My prayer is that you would tap into these gifts. Let me tell you about a few people in our church that are currently using their gifts. That doesn't mean that these are the only ones. We have plenty of them. I just wanted to spotlight a few for you so that you can know what it looks like. Let me tell you about Ryan Harris. Ryan Harris works at State Auto, has a family, uh, a wife, and two kids, and he serves here at Simple Church as our lead. Uh, He leads our host team, our guest services team. That's Ryan. Ryan is over all of that. And Ryan, if you ask Ryan how he got involved here at Simple Church, he will tell you he was at the wrong place at the wrong time when it happened. I think he was standing somewhere and somebody said, hey, can you do this for a minute? And then he has not stopped doing it since we began. It's been nearly three years now. And uh, Ryan serves faithfully on that team. Ryan has felt God call him and lead him into pastoral studies. And so he is doing that. He is working on getting a, uh, a certification and ordination through, through uh, the Assemblies of God. And he is growing in this way because he feels God's leading him to it. Ryan is currently helping me develop a pastoral care department as well. He's continuing to grow. He says, I have these gifts. How can I help? Well, let me tell you about a guy named Richard. Richard Merkel. You will likely hear Richard before you see him, although today he's wearing bright orange and he's just over your shoulder over there. Richard has the gift of serving. He's a humble guy. He doesn't need the limelight. When we said, hey, I I need some help, here in the church, we need people to clean. Richard said, I can do that. He's also got a gift of leadership because when Richard shows up, he doesn't show up by himself. He brings a whole crew of people. Now, I've not been here when they're cleaning the church, but I'll bet Richard's standing there with the list going, you do this, you do this, you do this. He's got the gift. But he serves, and he serves humbly. Richard is somebody who's, who has been with us since near the beginning, I want to say, Richard, right? Richard, Richard also serves in a, uh, a sober living community here in Reynoldsburg called Summer Rays. There's about 100 people that live in that community. When I called Richard and asked him, can I share your story? You know what Richard was in the middle of doing? Serving someone. He was changing, uh, changing their tire, I believe, working on somebody's car for him, being a blessing. He runs them here and there all around the square. That's Richard. And he serves that community. Richard's been sober since April 1st, 2013. Is that right? April. Uh, no, that's something to celebrate. Seriously. And we have many people just like Richard that call Simple Church home. What about Jason? Jason Laporte. Jason's been here a couple months. Jason joined Simple Church and he came in and he said, I'm jumping in both feet. This is where God's called me to be. I have all these gifts and these talents. What do you need? What do you need? And so Jason, just as of this past week, jumped in and is leading our productions team. Jason's taking that over for us. He's going to, he's going to lead a team of people. It's incredible when, when you find out, I have these gifts, what can you do with them? That's a different, a different thing. Or what about Kate? Kate Cordova. Kate came here, uh, I want to say August of last year, maybe, maybe July. I was on vacation when Kate came. And she came and she said, I've never been part of a church before. God told me I needed to be part of a congregation. And she felt led to. So she looked up on the internet churches and saw Simple Church's name. What a stupid name for a church. And she said, I'm going there. That sounds cool. So she came. She showed up that day, and we were talking about our mission trip to El Salvador. Her husband is from El Salvador, and she felt drawn to go to the mission trip. She said, Aaron, I want to go. I don't know how I'm going to get there. I don't know how I'm going to work out the finances. Well, I said, Kate, if it's supposed to go, then it'll be taken care of. It'll be worked out. And guess what? Somebody stepped up and paid Kate's entire way to go to El Salvador. Kate didn't have to pay a dime. 
And Kate got to be a part of our church that went to El Salvador, and we saw over 50 people give their hearts and lives to Christ there and to, be a, a, and to minister to those people there. Why do I tell you all these things? What are they so excited about? What are all these people that I'm talking about so excited about? They have food that you don't know anything about. Their energy, they are vitalized. They are psyched about their ability to contribute. They've shrugged this idea that we're here to consume. We're here to take from the church. She walked in and said, let me give. Let me give. Let me be a part of it. Let me serve. These are my gifts. They're not spiritual consumers. They're spiritual contributors. And let me say this, that if you are part of God's family, even more so if you're part of this family here at Simple Church, I believe that God has something for you to do. And I believe that if you are not serving some way in the church, that there is something that God desires for you to do that isn't being done. Somebody isn't being reached because you're not tapping in to that gift that you have. God calls you to serve in his church. But I would also say this, and this is the second thing. God calls you to serve as his church. God calls you to serve in, but he also calls you to serve as his church. I'm going to go to a passage in Matthew 5 which we are very familiar with around here. We call it being the shiny. This is one of those shiny passages. What's the shiny? It's being the light. It's being the thing that draws somebody's attention. There's something different about you. There's something different about the way you act, the way that you behave. That I don't know what it is, but I like it. I want to get on board with that. So this is that passage in, in Matthew 5, 14. It says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. That doesn't make any sense, does it? You don't light a lamp and then cover it up. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Aaron, how do I, how do I let my light shine? It just told you. It just said, let your good deeds, let them see your good deeds. And then they will glorify your Father that's in heaven. They'll turn their hearts to him. You say, so all I have to do is do good works to get to heaven? No, that's not what I said. Take it back just a second. See, we're not saved by what we do because if we were saved by our works, our good works, that means mean there'd be a whole bunch of people in heaven with God for eternity that had nothing to do with Jesus. That's not what our Bible says. Our Bible says we are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. So we are not saved by our works, but we are saved for works. Does that make sense? When Christ enters our life, there is a purpose, there is a plan for us to use our giftings, our talents, our skills for God's purposes and to complete his will in this world or to complete his work in this world. And we call these being the shiny because you ever been in a really dark place and when a light comes on, what happens? You look towards it, right? Your eyes adjust and you want to see what that thing is. It draws people's attention when they see our good works, when they see that you are different, when they see that you care, when they see that you serve, when they see that you love them, that you would be willing to give them. You love them as they are and let them see your good deeds. That is when we are being the shiny. As Christ followers, we're not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. Let me ask you a question that I don't need you to answer. It's just something for you. How many of you would say, based on just this past week of your life, would say that your good works has been a representation of God's work in your life, that you have been the shiny, that things that you have done have drawn people in to relationship with God? How many of you would say that my, I did this and this is what made somebody realize there's something different about me? 
The reason we do these things is so that people see our good works and wonder. are filled with wonder. This is why we do it. We want them to be in awe that I can't believe that they love me. I can't believe that they gave to me. I can't believe that they served me. I can't believe that they came and sat in the mud with me. When I created this mess, they came and they sat with me. They gave to me. They advised me. They counseled me. I can't believe that they prayed for me, that they didn't judge me. I can't believe. They're in awe and they're in wonder. Being the shining causes them to look towards the Father. You are the light of the world. So we're not only called to serve in the church, but we are called to serve as the church. Let me tell you about a few people that are living this lifestyle out. The first one does not attend church here, but I bring her up because we, we support her and her ministry financially every month. Every month. This is an organization called Barefoot Faith. They're here in Reynoldsburg. They attend uh, my pastor's church in Pickerington. She's involved in her church. She serves in her church. She participates in the community outreaches through her church. But she felt God drawing her to something more. She saw something in her community. She said, this is missing. And what was missing was people that, that are in financial duress or, or having difficulty with health and in the hospitals or just going through a difficult time. It was missing this just hands and feet of Jesus, simple stuff like food. And I don't mean like a bag of groceries. I mean meals prepped for them. And so Kelly started Barefoot Faith. She and, and Leanne Zimmerman, or uh, Leanne Neal started uh, Barefoot Faith. I mean, it's like a legitimate 501c3 charitable organization. She got it going. And they have been providing food to people. You go onto their website, they don't need to know anybody. You just put in their name, their address, the situation, and they reach out to them, they call them, they deliver food to them, they say, hey, can we pray for you? Their thought is that they may only be the only Jesus, they may be the only Jesus that anyone ever encounters. And they're not going to pressure you. They're not going to judge you. They just want to love you. They just want to serve you. Kelly is also the one. Uh, she organized that, that 5K that I ran in. Well, I say ran, you know, th that I completed uh, <laughs> on the first. She organized that, and she's also the reason that we were involved in the Souls for Souls program, the shoes. We donated 136 pairs of shoes just from this church, by the way. Yeah, it's incredible. To be a part of something even bigger than ourselves, because Kelly told me last night, she said, we had, we were, she was supposed to turn in the, sho the shoes on the 7th, and they've had to extend their deadline to the 11th, because more and more keeps coming in, and they had to get a bigger truck, because it's over 4,000 pounds of shoes that they have currently, and can't haul it, can't haul it to where it needs to go, and so they've had to make other arrangements. It's incredible, all because she decided to live as the church. Live as the church. Well, what about April? April Reed, April attends here. April, Madison, Morgan, and Ellie, her daughters. When we went to El Salvador last year, we were raising money in the church. We did fundraisers. We did all kinds of things. And she said, well, I can't go to El Salvador. April did. And her girls are too young. She said, we can't go, but we want to be able to help. And I'm like, great, well, this is what we're doing. You can be part here and here. She's like, I feel an individual responsibility to be, live as the church. So separate from Simple Church, she and her girls began to discuss and plot and plan how they could help our missions trip. They decided to open a lemonade stand and sell pretzel rods, and so they did. April put it up on Facebook, and tons of people showed up to support these little girls who are on the side of their road selling lemonade and pretzels. And then the girls said to their mom, can we do anything else? Can we have a garage sale? And so they went into their bedrooms and they pulled their toys and their books and their personal belongings out, held a garage sale, and sold them themselves and raised money for El Salvador to be a blessing to those people. And then they looked at their mom after they were done with that and they said, Mom, 
Can we make these rainbow loom bracelets? I think I've said that right. I kind of missed my generation. I, I, I tapped out at the silly bands. <laughs> you all know what I'm talking about, right? This is the next big thing now. Can we make these rainbow bracelets and can we go to church and can we get other kids to help us make these and then we can sell them? And April said, we can do more than that. And so working in conjunction with the children's ministry, they set up, they set up times here and uh, activities for the kids to create items to sell. Simple church magnets and bracelets and a whole bunch of other stuff that they, they sold. They worked to help us be a blessing to El Salvador. They decided to be the church. What about Mike Science? Mike, if you talk to Mike, he would tell you that he has had the hardest year of his life. And coming off the hardest year of his life, he's experienced God's grace and his love and his restoring power. He's experienced it so much that he said, Aaron, my life is completely changed. I'm turned around. I'm a different man. And Mike not only dove in and serves here at Simple Church, but he said, Aaron, I need to spend some of my time making an impact in my community. How can I do that? And I said, well, we've got two places that we regularly serve at. We serve at Joseph's Coat, which is a place where you can get clothing. You can get bedding, household items. And you can shop there once a month. Or the Heart Food Pantry. We support them financially. We go and we visit them. And guess what? Mike is now actively engaged in those things. He said, I need to respond to the love that I have received in a different way. I need to contribute. And so he's out being a spiritual contributor. All these people have decided to not simply be a spiritual consumer. They have decided to be a spiritual contributor. If I'm being honest, I, I don't think in our society that we are doing things right. I don't think that the government is the best organization to meet the needs of the people. I think the church is. I think the church is, and I think the reason the government has to step up on a regular basis is because the church does not. Because we are not living as the church. We're going to church. We're going to church. But I believe that when the church begins to see itself as a spiritual contributor, that the world around will recognize it and say there's something different about them. I don't even know what they believe, but I like it. I want to be part of that. That they would see our good works. They would see the way that they, we love each other and they would glorify God. They would be given a spiritual hunger and a desire to know him. If you want to know what the church looks like when we all serve in and as the church, this is what it looks like. It's just a quick little verse in Acts. This is the first church after Jesus left that was established. It describes them this way in Acts 4. It says, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. Ha! Imagine that. Not a single need went unmet because they were actively living as the church and serving in the church, serving each other with their gifts and with their talents. What kind of impact would this make if we were a church that was like that? What do you see? Let me tell you what I see, since I've got the microphone. I see a church where people give more than they receive. I see a church where people serve more than they've been served, where people love more than they've been loved, where people are passionate about reaching the next generation, people that don't judge others that are without Christ. Instead, they love them into the family of God, where everyone uses their gifts in the church to equip the body of Christ. And they used their gifts as the church to be the light of the world. That we would be a church who is like Jesus, that our food is not about consuming. It's not about what we eat. Our food is to contribute, to 
give back to do God's will and complete his work in this earth. I see a church that if it were missing from Reynoldsburg, if we closed our doors tomorrow, that the community would look and say, where did they go? Their impact has been huge. What happened to Simple Church? Don't you want to be a part of a church like that? Don't you want to be an active part of contributing to a church like that? Because that's who I believe we can be. God has called us to more than a consumeristic mindset. Why? Because we're not spiritual consumers. We are spiritual contributors. Let's pray. If you're here today and you'd say, Aaron, that's me. I want to be. I'm a Christ follower, and I want to be active in that. I want to be part of that, to be a spiritual contributor. I want to see God's power at work in my life. I want him to reveal my spiritual gifting so that I can know how I can share and how I can serve. If that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, you'd say, Aaron, that's me. Would you just shoot your hand up and say, that's me. I I want that. I want God to do that in my life. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to pray for you now. Father, I I lift up each and every person that has been honest. Lord, I need your power at work in me. I need you to reveal my giftings to me. I need you to plug me in. I need you to connect me with your purpose for my life because I desire that kind of nourishment. I desire that kind of energy. I desire to be a spiritual contributor, not a consumer. Lord, I pray that you would ignite in us a desire to give, to serve, to be a part of. Lord, that you would help us discover our gifts, that you would give us a desire to serve in and as the church. Lord, help us. We need you. Now, I would speak to everyone else in this room. You'd say, I'm not not necessarily a Christ follower. So what does that mean for me? Well, Jesus said he came here to do God's will and to finish God's work. What was God's work? That all of you would come to know his grace. That all of you would be saved. That all of you would spend eternity in heaven with him. That's what he desires. That was the work that Jesus came to complete. The way he did that was by living a sinless life. The way he did that was by dying on a cross and resurrecting on the third day. He did that so that he could pay a price that you and I owed for our sinfulness. And in doing so, he gave us the opportunity to be made right with God, to have our sins forgiven, to be transformed and made brand new. That's what Jesus did for us on the cross. And if today you want to be part of that finished work, you want to receive forgiveness, you want to be transformed, made new, if that's you and you're here today and you say, Aaron, Aaron I, want, I know you're going to pray in a minute. Will you count me in on that prayer? If that's you, would you just shoot your hand up right now? Do it now. Say, that's me. Include me in on that prayer. That's me. Anyone else? Thank you for that hand. Anyone else? Thank you. I'm going to give you the words to pray, and you can pray them out loud. You can pray them in your heart. You just need to mean them. Pray this prayer. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you came to this earth lived a sinless life, died on the cross and rose again in three days. And you did that so that I could be forgiven, so that I could be made right with God. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Give me your Holy Spirit and show me how to live for you. And I'll spend every day doing that. Be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.